That's a record. Back into the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette on a Friday morning. ESPN Lafayette, 103.3 on the FM dial, 1420 on the AM dial, and streaming worldwide via the app. It is time for the Pro Nola segment, but we are going to still talk some Cajun football. Spent the whole first segment on last night's game at Cajun Field, the uh, Cajuns go scoreless for nearly three quarters, didn't score touchdowns on their final three drives, excluding the very last drive where the clock ran out and they walked off victorious. Their eighth straight win. Uh, it wasn't easy. Georgia State is feisty as, as bleep. Um, they were talking a lot of trash, and uh, Cajuns just kind of didn't go their way early. But Coach Napier said after the game, he kept talking about poise, poise, you know. A lot of teams might have splintered when things didn't go their way. They stuck with it, and uh, they're the Sun Belt West champions for the fourth year in a row. And uh, Gus joins me now. We're going to talk Saints and Pelicans, of course. But, Gus, before we do, the Cajuns, man. Um, I know that it's some weeks it's a blowout like, like last Saturday, and other times it's a uh, shoot, man. It goes down to the wire. But if you look at the number of four-point games the Cajuns have been in the last couple of years – Coach Napier has won all but one of those games. I mean, they they win these close games pretty much all, almost every time. And uh, last night was another example of it. I know they were bigger favorites. I know that style points and all that other stuff. Bottom line is, man, um, they just they, they, they find ways to win. Yeah, man, it was crazy when you look at it. And, you know, I'm watching the game, Scott, like, you know, obviously you are and you know, you see it's 3 nothing, and it's, you know, getting close to halftime. You're like, wow, you know. But, man, I, I'd like to say I'm not surprised. I mean, in my conversations I have with Coach when he comes on our show, we've talked about that specifically. We've, we've talked about it over at Arkansas State in that game and, you know, how having players that have been there and done that before, you, you, you can exhibit, you know, what you just said, poise and belief that you can still win and all those different aspects of it. And, you know, you look at that game-winning drive, for starters, the scores are run. And how many times, Scott, this season have we watched the Cajuns, you know, the Arkansas State game? I mean, I, the big play comes off of a run. And, you know, he touched on how the importance to him of being able to run the football and score by running the football is key. We had John on the show yesterday, and, you know, the voice of the Cajuns is like, hey, I'm telling you, the best thing on this team is the defense. And you saw the defensive stands that they made. And at the end, I mean, they're driving. And uh, how many big plays, you know, there in the PBUs and, you know, on fourth down making that, that, that stop. I mean, that wasn't a bad throw. It hit the receiver in the hands. And, you know, solid play by the, you know, DB to make sure there was an incompletion. And, you know, again, I just – the poise. I mean, I go back to that, that, that play. Levi, you know, scrambles left. He could have maybe run it, bought enough time. You know, found this guy, delivered a perfect bullet, and you know that led to the to the score a couple plays later. Man, it just it, it's what I've told you before, man. I mean, even when you come on your show, and I, again, I'm not, you know, saying this because I, I don't 
you know, like your audience, man. It's just, it's why I respect Billy Napier and the Cajuns so much. And it's why I talk about him with LSU or any other team. And it's why last week you and I talked about why I think he and his staff, you know, are just so good. And and it's what you're, what you're alluding to. Um, You almost take for granted a lot of times until you watch teams and schools like I have with it, with LSU or, you know, other teams that look panicked, don't know what they're doing, but, you legitimately have a coach, and I go back to my conversation I had with him after the Arkansas State win, that they practice those situations. They talk about it. You know, they are confident, even though they didn't go on, you know, succeed on every fourth down they went on last night, but they practice those things. So it makes sense, Scott, right? I mean, it's, it's the same thing why you can do your show every morning and there's no nervousness, yet you'll, you know, meet people and they're like, how do you talk for two hours? Or, you know, how, how are you not get nervous when you interview somebody when when you do it and you prep for it there is no nervousness right, right. scott you have a big guest on or something you you've prepped you know what you're doing you know your topic you know your flow you and at the same time a lot of times how many of those interviews go exactly to you know the questions you jotted down on the napkin in front of you you know i mean you you listen you adjust you go with and that that's just the thing that really um impresses me about where cajun football is right now you know you you and I'm not saying you nonchalantly said it, but the same thing like Jay Walker said to me two weeks ago after that win at Arkansas State where, hey, you're bowl eligible. And he's like, I didn't even mention it in the broadcast because that's not where they are anymore. And, you know, you're a division champ. But it's to the point now, Scott, where that's expected. And that's what you're supposed to do. And that's where you are. And I think that is such a good place and that is a good thing. And it's something that I've fought here for years when it's the two-lane fan base or you name it where – well, we know LSU doesn't, I mean, stop it. Just win your division, win your conference, be a consistent bowl team. That will bring in revenue. That will bring in a fan base. That will sell your tickets. That will help you build facilities. That will help you recruit better. That will get you a better name. It just it's on and on and on. And when you start building a program like that, whether it's coach and, you know, coach decides to move on or whatever, it's a, it's a destination where when that job comes open, good young up-and-coming coaches that are hungry want that, you know, as opposed to, well, I'll go there because it's my first gig. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying that this is where it is, but when you are a consistent winner, you consistently win the division, you consistently are battling for the conference title, um, it it just it just feeds the machine, man, you know, to an extent it's a, you know, a, a smaller version. Of what, that's why Bama succeeds, man. It's just it, it you have to build something to where – Right now, and I think it's legitimately like that. We have a bunch of people that call the show or, or cover high school athletics. And, Scott, I'm telling you, I mean, the kid that scored a touchdown, you know, to, to win, I mean, Mitchell, I mean, that was a kid that didn't get recruited or looked at by a lot of these schools. And I talked to guys that knew him in high school, and they're like, that kid could ball. But Coach Napier was the one that went and got him and knew he could help him well, win. Montreal Johnson, and, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and that's what, that's what I'm saying, man. It's just when, when, you, when you look at it, that's that's what's key. I just I don't know. I, I'm watching that drive and I was nervous. You know, <laughs> they're trailing and you got to score and you're like, no, he's gonna find a way. And um, I don't they're, know. Uh, they're it, 28 it, and five. It's a big you know to win the division like that, man. And just consistently do it. And you saw the happiness on the field. 28 and five since 2019. That's a lot of winning. Um, and I know style points. You know, uh, you won 45 nothing Saturday. You know, the Thursday before, you won 
by a point. You know, last night you won by four, but you you continuously win. And look, there were things last night that weren't perfect. There were things last night that weren't good. Uh, you lost the turnover battle. You had a lot of penalties. Some of them justified. Some of them weren't. Um, you know, there was a, a, a bad block in the back call and a punt return for a touchdown. But the reality is there were some aspects of last night's game that you know, Coach Napier said something afterwards when he was asked by us, you know, what what helped you guys turn things around? You You had gone scoreless. Granted, you had two drives where you're inside the 10 of the opponent and you don't get it when you go for it on fourth, but still kind of just struggling in various areas offensively, what really turned things around. And he said, listen, you don't have to, what one thing I really like about this team is you don't have to explain what happened to them when something goes bad. You don't have to explain to them why we didn't get the result we wanted. Like they know Mm -hmm. he said, look, we worked hard around here on football IQ. So when something happens, they know why we didn't get the desired result. Like, it, it, so we don't have to spend a ton of time on something. You know, we just focus on you know uh, executing and, and the opponent and things like that. And you know, he to 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 have a football team with a high IQ, uh, it's important, man. And in those moments, and I can tell you something. Last night, last thing on the Cajuns, and I'll I'll get back to the Cajuns next hour. Is Gus and I are going to talk a little Saints and Pelicans pro Nola segment. But last thing with you on the Cajuns, you know, you, you, you don't score in the first half. You miss it on fourth down again. And the Cajuns went into the game last night, number one in the country in fourth down con, uh, conversion rate for anybody that's gone for it 15 or more times. They were number one. I don't know where they rank today, but they're still ranked pretty high. I mean, they're 14 of 19 on the season. But, like, after Georgia State makes that stop, I was down on the field at that point, Gus. I mean, the Cajuns are going into the tunnel, and Georgia State has to wait for them to go in because it's the same tunnel. And they have – I mean, that's a feisty team, the Panthers. And they've got seven or eight guys, and they are yelling expletives, and they are going at it, and they are talking trash, standing right there at the goalpost. And it was like – it might as well have been like no one there. It wasn't like the Cajuns were sort of – it wasn't like they were in any way intimidated or, like, didn't want any. They just didn't care. It was so businesslike, like, it's not a big deal. You know, we'll figure this thing out. Um, you know, they turn it over, and then Georgia State has their biggest offensive play of the game. You know, a 37-yard catch and run by the tight end. Now it's 10 nothing, and they just never seem, I don't know, worried. So, right. uh, you know, poise is big, and you can point to some negatives from last night. I, I'll just point to a lot of the positives, though. And, yeah, they got some stuff to work on, but they've won eight in a row. They've won a fourth straight Sunbelt West Division, and they want the Sunbelt outright. So they're back in the conference championship game. Got a couple of games before that, but this is a team that uh, is ranked in the top 25. You know, I, I guess – one other disappointing thing, the crowd was really bad last night. 16,007 ain't cutting it. I owe it was a Thursday night. It was cold. I get all of that. But um, last Saturday, you had an amazing crowd. Last night, it was it was not great. The ones that were there were loud. But aside from that, it was um, it was a win. I need, I, I'll talk more cages next hour. Anything you want to close on for the cage before we uh, talk a little Saints? Yeah, it's you know, kind of to your point, too, man. It's like um, – I, I guess just understanding and appreciating what you have, man. And and as you mentioned, the record over the last several several years, twenty eight. I mean, that's winning, man. <laughs> At the end five. of the day, that's what you're judged on. And and quite honestly, 
it's um it's cool to see that to your point of just the business like mentality that's again that comes through confidence that's understanding you'll you'll make the moves and it's almost like Scott when, when you have a team that's trying to do that that they're trying to find some sort of way to get in your head because I think they they know that if you're playing to the best of your ability it's not going to and look it, it's something that I know Coach Napier will never say and it look it is what it is you, you play these Tuesday Thursday games to help give your program notoriety and it's not about the amount of fans it's it's you know the fact that I was at dinner you know Scott for some of it and it, it's on 20 TVs essentially you know and everyone's watching you know Louisiana play football and I, I do think though while that benefits your brand it benefits your recruiting it benefits your name that's challenging. I mean, oh, yeah. you know who Alvin Kamara is. And when Alvin Kamara sits there and says after the Seattle game, I hate Monday night football because it's a short week and we got to get ready for Tampa, you know, division viral, the Super Bowl champs. So when that guy who clearly prepares himself, knows what he's doing, is in a system and on the franchise and organization that, I mean, it is all about winning when it affects them and he says it makes it harder i can't imagine man when you consistently are i mean look at the schedule i i we've legitimately talked about this on our show with coach napier it's you know that's a challenge the amount of midweek games that he's had and when you start breaking it down in three or five four six or whatever it i mean it, it's hard to do you talk about recovery of bodies Talk about getting ready, getting game plans in, um, changing your, your routine. And, and, Scott, you know this from covering sports, talking sports, playing sports all your life. Athletes are creatures of habit, man, creatures of habit. And when you are changing, we have kids. What is the number one thing to do when you have a kid? Put them in a routine. What time is bed? What time is food? What time is nap? There's a reason. When you're at a restaurant, you see kids crying, and it's 1231 o'clock. Why? My wife told me this before we had a kid. Nap time. I mean, you know all about nap time, right? I mean, you, you know when a kid is tired and doesn't get its nap. Scott, you know what's going to happen that evening. It's going to be miserable. If a kid goes out and, like mine does and sleeps over by the grandparents and they don't put him to bed till 9, 30, 10 o'clock when he goes to bed at 7, what's going to happen when you pick him up the next day? The cranky little dudes. So, I mean, it's just it's about routine. And I think when you look at this division title and – how they've gone about it. When you do look at the midweek games and all the things you had to go through, that's why, you know, you're talking about style points. Like, did they get a win? That is not easy to do. Tuesday, we'll play Saturday. We play Thursday. We'll play Saturday. Here's another Thursday game. Let's play two. I mean, that that's not easy to navigate, man. It really honestly is. Gus Cagnell, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. Is our guest uh, talking Cajun football? All right, let's let's um, we're not going to do football on football. Let's talk briefly about the Pels, and then we'll take a quick timeout, and we'll get into the Saints. Um, <sighs> I was on your show this week, Pelicans. We talked about them. They're one and eight. All the headlines seem to be negative. Your two best players are injured. One, your franchise player hasn't played at all this year. Charles Barkley's making jokes. Uh, they're playing hard for Willie. There doesn't appear to be any kind of 
negative, I guess. There doesn't like you, you don't have like the Eric Bledsoe sort of I don't want to be here type looking performances out there. I mean, the guys are working hard, but it's you know you're missing your best players and you're losing, and you're losing a lot. And I just it's weird, you know. I get that that the Pelicans aren't going to be sort of the most covered, talked about team in the state, but that's going to be the Saints. But the fact that they're one and eight right now—I mean, if you had Zion and Ingram, and and even if you were above five hundred, just I feel like there would be more buzz. Gus, this is as this is the 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 least amount of buzz surrounding this franchise that I can remember in recent memory. I mean, it's been a minute. I mean, after, you know, when the AD stuff happened, when he requested the trade and then he didn't get it and then he wanted to play and he played a little and then he played not at all and then he played a little. I mean, that was, the the interest was pretty down then. And then it, bam, it ramped up when they won the draft lottery. But, like, outside of that, outside of the 2010 season, which was, you know, or the, the excuse me, the 2011-2012 season where they were playing only 66 games, strike shortened season, or rather lockout, rather. Um, you know, and that was the, the year they had just traded Chris Paul to the Clippers. Like, I, I can point to some moments here or there. But here you are in year three of Zion and Ingram, and I know it's early in the season, Gus, but you're on ESPN late tonight at Golden State. You're probably not going to have Brandon Ingram playing. You're definitely not going to have Zion. I mean, I, 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 if I'm ESPN, I'm upset about that. I have to air this game tonight. I hate to say it. I mean, I'll be watching, but what? I, tell me something positive. Like, try to cheer me up when it comes to the Pels. Well, it's the worst case scenario. I mean, it, it, if you're David Griffin and you're the Pelicans, right? I mean, Drew Brees retires. You, there's an opening. There's an opening, and I know it's a football city, it's a football state, but Scott winning attracts, period. Um, If Zion was the person that you had drafted and thought he would be and he'd be healthy and he'd be playing and this team would have won some games, there's an opening, and I don't know if to really say it. Instead... it's been compounded. I mean, it, you already had a worst-case scenario. You already knew the backlash you were going to get and the disdain for, you know, the fact that you go to media day and say, by the way, Zion's hurt and had surgery. And, I mean, I, I can't even tell you, dude, how my phone went off. I mean, when, when, when that came out at 10 a.m. on media day that Monday, it was like, you've got to be kidding me. And... It came on the heels of the Michael Thomas thing, essentially. You know, of, well, when did you know this? Like, how did you not know this? Why didn't you say this? Like, wait, there was surgery in June? And, you know, we're being told this in, in, in October? It's just, it, it's just, there's a reason on Monday, Mark Spears and Brian Windhorse in their Hoop Central podcast talked about it, how they've botched it. And there, there is no trust right now and the miscommunication and you know kind of alluded to the fact that it's almost like a Thomas situation where it it, it definitely comes across like the Pels weren't aware of the severity or the timing of this injury and Scott you've heard me say it to you on my show I've said it to you several times and 
I almost felt like my show this week turned into bashing the Pelicans, on you know, and it wasn't on purpose. But the thing is this: how do you go? I, I, I'm not surprised from this aspect. You you come out with this piece where the family's unhappy the day after the season ends, or two days after, right? Whenever the presser is. And from that point, we talked about it for days and weeks after. When are you going to clarify it? If it's not accurate, clarify it. If it's some drunk uncle that's just telling a reporter this, clarify it. If it's just, hey, look, we're just, fr- I mean, he could have easily text TNT. It'll put him on the you know desk. He could have done a guest hosting. Chuck and Shaq, he could have just chuckled it off like he did in October when he said to Fletcher, I'm glad you asked me that. I love the city and everything. Man, and you said it, Scott. You said that was the most rehearsed that you'd ever seen. You know what? He could have done that on TNT like Draymond Green fills in every now and then, and he could have been, man, look, I'm just frustrated, guys. I want to win. I love the city. You know me. I, look, I'm here. I love this game. And then people would have just moved on. But when you don't clarify it, you pretty much solidify it. And then from that point on, you don't meet your teammates in Vegas. You don't meet up with Brandon Ingram. There's conflicting reports if he did or didn't ghost him. He didn't respond to Willie Green. Conflicting reports there, depending on who I talked to. You know, I mean, Willie kind of alluded to it. He was like, I haven't talked to Zion yet. That's absolutely baffling to me on the day or the day before because again we find out of the coaches hiring way after it actually happens you're gonna tell me that if sean payne would have left for the cowboys and whoever the new head coach is and gets introduced you telling me drew Brees wouldn't have at least text that guy seriously so in three months the track record is I'm unhappy, or my family is. I don't meet with the players that I'm going to have to play with to get better, who I'm apparently complaining about that needs to be better around me so I can succeed. You don't get closer with the second best player on your team in BI, and you legitimately don't respond to your coach. I, 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 I don't. You know, I mean, dude, I it just like I said, it's just it, it couldn't have been a worse offseason, and it's bled into the regular season because whatever he did or didn't do or whatever the luck of the draw is or the fact that it's not healing as fast as they wanted to, bottom line is this, you're 1-8, you're facing a 6-1 team, and you're saying, if I'm ESPN, I'm upset. Not really. Warriors are good. Warriors are fun to watch. I'll tune in to watch Curry drain shots and watch that team shoot away. So you're still going to get people there. Of course, you want a better matchup in game. But early on in the season, football is heavy. College football is heavy. Your NBA, your NBA fan or your casual fan on ESPN just wants to see Steph Curry drop 40. You know, so I, I just it just stinks, man, because my topic this week, and I don't know if it's been for yours, Scott, but mine's been real simple. By the time this guy comes back in December, and that's – I'm just throwing out a guess, right, because – they said three weeks to rescan him, and if that is okay, he's cleared to practice against five-on-five live action. And from what I'm told, it's three practices. 
before he can play. He has to go through three practices like and be okay. So you're looking at December. If you don't have ten wins, Scott, by then, what's really going to happen? Because you're essentially looking at having to win thirty or forty games. Like you're, I mean, Schmidt Dua. Bourbon Street Shots has been tweeting about this item on my show on Thursday. We talked about this. Like, we're not, I'm not saying, you know, it's over and all this other stuff. But you know what? I'm legitimately not upset at 1-8. And, and you talked about the buzz, Scott, and why their lack is. I, 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 how about look at it this way? I think Kells fans have almost resigned to the fact that this is not going to be a playoff season. It's not going to be the type of season that they want. And you know what? It may not be the worst thing if you pick high again, and I think I'm telling you right now, 80% of my calls this week had nothing to do, think of this, Scott, with the Saints losing their starting quarterback and their number one receiver is not coming back to play this year. I'm telling you 80% of my calls were people absolutely blasting the Pelicans. That was, well, I'm glad, at least, at least there's, Hey, that's something. Well, let, let, right? let, let, At least the reaction is there because I, I'm not getting Zion. anything over here in Lafayette. Zion. Let, let, I want to clarify that. People want the Pels to succeed. I get one or two yahoos that say sell it. But for the most part, I'm telling you the shine has come off of we have anointed this person as saving this franchise, rightfully so or not because I think they feel like they want to see the effort on the other end. And it doesn't help when literally on Tuesday night, Chuck is saying that he looks like him and Shaq had a baby. You had, you know, like I said, Mark Spears and Windhorse say this is on him. Mark Stein writes something that at some point you got to say this is on Zion to get in better shape. Vince Carter on NBA Today this week said this guy's got to get in better shape. It is not yeah, a good week I, for the Zion. I'm just telling you. Yeah, and no, and based off of my show, and I'm nothing. I'm nobody. But well, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't again, go that far. Don't be this. so hard on yourself. Your Saints quarterback is gone for the year and your best receiver. And people would chime in and be like, yeah, we're still going to beat the Falcons. But the Pelicans, think about that. Like, they're separated. By I'm them. glad to hear. Hey, I'm glad to and hear it because that's better than nothing, which is what's what has been like here in Lafayette. That's that that's better that than nothing. Injuries on the football team. Its right. fan base feels that they can still win. Yet the basketball fan base with the same injuries feel like they don't have a prayer. Like it, it's crazy. Like I'm telling you, Saints fans are they're confident. Saints fans are confident. Gus Cat Gale is our guest, ESPN Lafayette. Speaking of that's crazy, we're going to talk about those Saints when we come back. It's the Pro Nola segment. We already talked a good bit of Cajun football, the win last night. Sound from it. We'll talk more Cajun football next hour. That game last night. We'll look ahead to the NFL schedule this week. And of course, we'll talk Saints Falcons. But the state of the Saints. How are they 5-2? and two? Are they going to get into the playoffs? Gus and I were talking on his show Wednesday about the QB situation. Let's dig in some more. The Great Scott Show continues right after this. I'm Scott. That's Gus. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Ladies and gents, attention. Nas in the house with Beastie Boys. We can turn it out. Perpetrators, we can point them out. So if you got something on your mind, let it out. Like a Nexus 6 coming home.
Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. It's ESPN Lafayette now on the FM dial at 103.3. The AM dial at 1420. Streaming worldwide via the app. It's the Pro Nola segment. Gus Cattengale, our guest. We talked a good bit about Louisiana's 21-17 win over Georgia State. We talked about the state of the Pelicans. Now let's talk some Saints football, Gus. Um, they're 5-2. and two. Uh, a, a, just a wild, memorable win last Sunday on Halloween against the Bucks, which we've talked a lot about this week, and I know you have on your show as well. But um, let's start with Jameis, um, and then and then kind of segue into the quarterback situation. Seems like everybody feels really bad for Jameis, um, whether it be fans, whether it be the media, whether it be the Saints, Sean Payton, the coaches, the teammates. You got Alvin Kamara and Teron Armstead going into the tent to check on him. Sean Payton saying he was crying. I mean, this, he's not, look, tore his ACL, damaged the MCL. Who knows? He's got a rehab. We'll see how he comes back. He may not play for the Saints again. That will be TBD. But, man, it was almost like the win was exciting, and it was against the Bucks and, it almost took a little bit of the heat away from Jameis's injury, and I guess just how 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 much that hurts the team. Um, I think everybody sort of realized for him how bad they felt for him and, and how much it sucks for him. But you know, we're going to talk about the quarterbacks in a minute, Gus, and and, and I've seen a li- I, I think I've seen some pretty dumb things on on social media regarding this quarterback situation. Some of it being, oh, uh, they're going to be better off now, like. Trevor Simeon is not better than da- in Jameis Winston. Taysom Hill is not better than Jameis Winston. The Saints, they're, they're taking another step back at quarterback, man. And this injury, they've been able to overcome it. Sean Payton's done some amazing things. Make no mistake, this is going to be another tough, tough obstacle for this team to overcome. I, I think one of the things that you bring up is a very interesting point where, again, I almost feel like we've been – lulled into some false sense of reality where um and, and not not false sense look sean finds a way this team has found a way i think Kamara said it best after win sunday that when they saw james went down all the skill position players got together and said okay we got to pick our game up the mario davis said everybody on the defensive side said we got to pick our game up they have a bunch of leaders they have a bunch of leadership which is why probably what's happening with the pelicans is what it is right? who is your leader on who, who is that guy? You know, you're still waiting for to see who that is. Um, and you know, the, the thing that is incredible to me is it's nuts. Almost like when you say it, people don't hear it. Like say the phrase that you lost your starting quarterback in the NFL. A starting quarterback is everything. Like you, you, you gotta have one. If you even remotely want to win a championship or go to the playoffs and stuff, look, I get it, man. You know, the Saints have played good defense. I mean, they're 10th in overall defense. They're fourth, um, you know, in points allowed. They they are playing very well, and it's keeping them in games. But let's not kid ourselves. You you have to score, and you're going to have to against some of these better teams. And – Man, that position is it's vital. It's crucial if you don't have one. And I thought, again, Sean was doing an excellent job, almost like in those six. You know, there's so many parallels to if you go back to 
that year, first off, the Saints were only 10 and 6. I know a lot of people would kind of act like they were, you know, 15 and 1. Oh, the 2000 season. The first man. five or six games, you know, Scott, most of them were comebacks leading into the dome, right? For the, you know, the dome coming. Uh, you know, with the oh, Green 06, Bay right. and Cleveland, yeah, and they, yeah, they had to come back and win those games. Um, they were not the high power dropping 30 in the first half offense. Right. It was a couple of seasons down the road. Um, so I think that's the thing is that, you know, you were in its infancy of where Jameis was with this offense. The guy played what, six games or whatever it was. So you, you saw the purpose, Sean saying, look, my D works, um, 41 solid. We're going to do this. Don't, don't kill us on offense. Wait. And again, you, you went through it last week. The, the, the the receiving core is pedestrian. It's not not ripping them. They're, come on, man. Comparing to some of the, the, the receiving core of the rest of the league, they're, they're not elite. Let's not kid ourselves. The, the seasons and years the Saints were 113 wins and all that. That talent's not on the team. It's not. I mean, it's just not. We, we hated Jared Cook, but I keep bringing it up. The guy led the team in touchdowns last year at seven. Um you know, you had Emmanuel Sanders, the guy that everybody begged for for two seasons. Number two, they had him. Your number one hasn't played. Like, you have a kick returner as, your, as, as a guy right now as your deep threat. I mean, we're, we're patting good. ourselves on the back because Traquan Smith caught a ball. <laughs> that was Jameis's best one. throw, too. That throw <laughs> was incredible, touchdown. man. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it, when you look at all of that, um, it's remarkable. They're five and two. And and probably should only have one loss. They were up eleven against the Giants in the fourth. So, but because of that, I keep bringing that up because that's why it is a big deal. You lost your starting quarterback. Um, those deep balls you saw at Green Bay and, and Washington. The guy can do that, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has talent. I think he was going to get better, and I think that offense was going to explode once they got weapons. Once people that can get open. Once he played with the full line. He never played with the full offensive line this year that was supposed to be, ever. Um, it's sad. It, it's sad. And, and to your point, uh, you are taking a step back. That's a very good statement that you made. Um, Trevor Simeon, it, it, I mean, he's not, you know, I mean, there's a reason he's not starting. And it's not a bad thing. I'm just saying he's not, he's not a starter. Jason Hill lost the quarterback competition. He lost the quarterback competition when he was given every single opportunity to win the quarterback competition. So if it's him, you, again, remember the reasons and the things that kept him from winning the quarterback competition. They're still there, reading the field, using his legs, doing all those different aspects of it. Um, now, the one benefit that is it is you're going that way, Scott, is you go back to what Drew Brees said when he was here for the you know, the golf tournament back in April, and he said it a couple times already since. Taysom Hill's a guy that he thinks could succeed, but you have to build the offense around him. Last year when he's filling in for Drew, you can't do it because Drew is coming back. If you know for the next 10 games, if it's Taysom, that he is your guy, you can reshape and reform your offense and philosophy and your play calls over 10 games to benefit him. So that might be a, a positive or a benefit, or do you keep him in his role and you go with Simeon, who, again, I brought this up to you on Wednesday when you came on my show. Ten different Saints players 
had at least one reception in that game. That's that's more like Sean Payton's offense. Gus Cagniel, Saints and Pelicans correspondent, our guest is ESPN Lafayette Pro Nola segment. Talking Saints right now, cover the Cajuns, 21-17 win, a little bit of Pels. But on the Saints, uh, Trevor Simeon, I'll say this, he's he's two games above 500 as a starter in his career. He probably, I mean, I, I don't, I'll be honest, Gus, I don't know every third-string quarterback in the league off the top of my head. Uh, he probably is the best third-string quarterback in the league. Now he has to start, but third-string and now starting. And... I say that because I think he should start Sunday, but will he? Taysom Hill, back at practice Wednesday, a limited participant, cleared some phase of concussion protocol. Yesterday, full participant. That tells you now he's cleared all phases of concussion protocol. So what's Sean going to do Sunday? Do you start Taysom at quarter? Because he's, he's QB2, or does Sean say, you know what? He, he, he has an out here. He can say, we're going to bring Taysom along slowly. The concussion was really bad. We're going to give him some snaps. But and, and, and basically give himself an opportunity to let Simeon audition for the role because maybe Sean didn't know if Taysom was going to be ready, right? Maybe he started making this game plan on Monday. So he's got outs if he wants to just give Simeon another shot with the game plan for an entire week built around him against Atlanta. I think who's ever starting this Sunday definitely doesn't mean they're starting the rest of the season, regardless of what the health is. But right now, I'm kind of leaning toward Trevor Simeon. Who do you think is going to start on Sunday, 7 or 15? You bring up some very good points that I've been bringing up this week that just, again, Sean Payne's a very – logical and common sense type individual. And he has on several occasions this season, including this week on Monday, Scott said Tuesday is the day. Tuesday is the day that they have their position group meetings, their health meetings, their game plan. Cause Wednesday they're in it. So based off of that, it would seem logical to what you just said. Let, I don't know how healthy Taysom is. He hasn't played in a couple of weeks. Asking him to come in and do either some packages or do what he does seems logically easier than coming in and now you're my starting quarterback. I, to me, it seems logical to roll with Simeon against the Falcons, who are okay average team. And then, like you said, that doesn't mean that now Taysom has another week, gets back into the flow of things, gets a couple of licks, let's see how he's doing. Now you're starting him against the Tennessee if that's where you want to go. Because there is a part of me, Scott, that says, man, we joked on Fridays on your show during training camp that it almost seemed like come heck or high water, Sean really wanted Taysom Hill to, to win that job. Or he was going to give him every opportunity to try to win that job. So, But it was again, telling, it, it's telling the that to, despite that, he didn't. You know what I mean? It's like... Right, but yeah. remember, right, right, and that's the thing. It's like, but he was the guy that was competing with Jameis. It wasn't Simeon. It wasn't a three-man competition. Right, it was... Right. 
Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston. So if that's the case, then why shouldn't it be Taysom Hill? Like, you get what I'm getting at? Like, if you started the season by saying, okay, the battle is between these two guys. Like, I mean, to, to my understanding, right, and to my knowledge, it was never, it's a three-man race, it's a two-man race. So if that's the case, a guy that lost out should be next in line to be your starter. To your point, though, I think this week it makes sense at home to go with Trevor and then Taysom has started games. He went out of those four or five last year. He started on the road a couple of them. I could see him starting next week again because that was the guy you said was running in line to be a starter. So now, do you think he can do that? And then, look, there's a, there's a health issue here. I, I, it's reasonable It's reasonable to say you're somewhat more protected at quarterback coming off of a concussion than being a joker, right? Him running RPOs, him catching passes, higher risk of getting hit, higher risk of hitting your helmet on the turf, higher risk of re-injuring after coming back from a concussion. And, Scott, if you get concussed again, are you risking him being done for the year? Yeah, it, it, so it's, it, that's such a brutal concussion. Yeah. I mean, come on. You know, I mean, you touch an arm now, and it's a flag. And quite honestly, if he does use his legs and scramble, he can go down. He can run out of bounds. You can still use him. You know, so it, it's a very interesting, what do you do? Because you can make an argument for both, but I think for this week, because he wasn't full go Wednesday makes me think he's not starting but could start moving forward again only because you started training camp with it's Taysom or Jameis. We will see. I mean, I, I, I think, think Trevor's the starter this Sunday, and I do think if he plays well enough – thing is Simeon I was saying this to you earlier this week when we were talking he he's not a bad quarterback if you go back and watch him at Denver whenever it's the 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 play that's drawn up and every play has a few options right a b c d whatever you know you have your primary option secondary whatnot he's okay right he's not bad I mean he had a winning record I mean you know a little bit uh he finished I think his time in Denver he was uh, two games above 500. Started one game with the Jets, lost, of course, and now he's, you know, but he's, uh, he, if it, if a play breaks down, and it doesn't take much for a play to break down, one guy runs the wrong route, one guy doesn't hear the play, one lineman just gets beat, that's not where Simeon is going to be able to do stuff. The thing is, when you look at Taysom Hill, you feel like that's where he should excel. And oddly enough, mm-hmm. it's not. Like, Taysom's football IQ seems to be great when he's not playing quarterback, which is ironic. But whenever it's like, all right, bro, just use your instincts. You're going to be playing this joker role. And the guy is one of the best athletes, you know, the team has ever had. And, and, And then that's the other point. You really need that kind of playmaker right now because you're having to rely on guys with respect, like Lil' Jordan Humphrey and Kevin White. To get passes from Trevor Simeon. I mean, that's where this offense is right now. So, 
Uh, you lean on your defense. If you, if you, if if Simeon starts, all you need him to do is be serviceable. They got some tough games on the Sit. schedule: Buffalo, uh, you know, the, the Dallas. I mean, I could name some others, but you got Atlanta twice. You got Carolina. They're, they're they've shown to not be very good. You got Miami. You got yeah. you got the Jets. You got some bad teams on that schedule. You go five and five. You're in the playoffs. Heck, you might even get in at nine and eight if as the seven yeah. seed, maybe. So all you need is serviceable with this defense, with that old line, with those running backs. And I, I think Simeon can do it. Taysom, I don't know, man. I I I would I would put my money on Simeon right now, despite the fact that to your point, Peyton, you know, loves Taysom Mill. And you're right. I can't argue with that. Um Gus Catgill, our guest. I but I, I've kept you for a while now, so I want to ask you this one thing before I let you go, my friend. Odell Beckham Jr., it's all over social media, right? Saints, a lot of Saints fans want him. I, I don't think Odell's been particularly an elite receiver for several years now. He's not bad. Um, nobody wants to pick up that salary if he does hit waivers. And, you know, there's some Saints fans holding out hope that somehow he'll end up with the Saints. and. I uh, I don't I don't think that's going to happen. Let's say hypothetically Cleveland decides, okay, fine, here you go, you're released. No one picks it up. He hits the waiver wire. Saints have seven hundred ten thousand dollars in cap space right now. Do you want to sign that guy to a multi-year deal? Does he want to go catch passes from Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill, or does he want to go somewhere where he can make a little bit more money, maybe Vegas, and catch passes from Derek Carr? I I know that there's a lot of attention on Odell right now. I just I don't think Odell to this I don't think it's happening. There's a lot of smoke there though, and I know your listeners have been talking about it. What's the pulse over there in New Orleans about Odell Beckham Jr.'s future? Yeah, man. I mean, I think it's it's if the the hunger and the desire to bring in a player that they seem be talented and obviously have the 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 you know, tie to LSU and all this stuff, and, and I get it, but at the same time, man, um, I'd like to say, look, do you want to bring that into your locker room? I mean, the guy gets excused from practice for twice, says he doesn't want to play. His dad posts an 11-minute video of, see, he's open. I mean, is that what you want? Because part of the reason the Saints are 5-2 is because of the locker room, period, period. You have such leadership, and then, you, look, you can conversely say, well, Gus, that's why it'll work because they'll have people to keep them in check um, in doing that. And look, they brought in Antonio Brown for a workout. They wanted to sign him, but the guy showed up and made a music video, essentially. So that's why, you know I mean? But he got his stuff together, and you see what he's done over at Tampa. So what if you can get you know, Odell Beckham Jr. to you know, sit him down and be like, look at what Antonio Brown's done in Tampa. He's become an elite receiver again. He's become a big weapon. He's become somebody that you, you know, can depend on. W- what if that happens? And to, and to your point, with that contract, it's $9 million this year. It's 13 the next two. That's a big deal. I mean, that's, that's, that's a big contract. So, you know, if you're going that route, I mean, are you essentially saying you're done with Michael Thomas? You can't pay two receivers that kind of money. And the other aspect of it, too, Scott, that I keep bringing up is, you know, what are you going to do? Next year, who's your quarterback? I mean, you've brought this up before. I think you even did that on Wednesday. You said, look, you know, Hill's contract is this year. Jameis is after this year. I mean, what are you doing for next year? So I just, I just, I ride with what I got this year, see what I can do. If I make the playoffs, man, 
pop some champagne, you know, uh, be happy you got to where you are this year. And then in the offseason, I think you make an absolute run for everything for Russell Wilson um, because the Seahawks are not making the playoffs. See where, you know, the diva Aaron Rodgers is. That guy can still play. You know, he might yeah, be immunized. Yeah, looking I'm, at I'm, what Tom Brady has I'm done nice. and say, hey, that's a team that has a defense. They have Alvin Kamara in free agency. They can get a receiver. Because he's Aaron Rodgers, other guys may go and play just like Buck players did. Um, I just think, man, investing nine and thirteen million in somebody that I look. I'm not being. I just don't know where his head is. And in this locker room, look, there was video this week of uh, Marquez Callaway. He has a handshake with Deontay Harris. I don't know if you saw this. Yeah. Yeah, before every game. A pregame handshake, yeah. There in Seattle. So he did it like he normally does before he takes the field for warm-ups while he wasn't there, and they showed him doing it with Tampa. That's a locker room that's together, Scott. And right or not, the proof is there that there's receipts, right, like uh, people like to say today. This guy is about himself. I mean, there's no other way to say it. You can say he's about winning, he's about, but he's not. You can't say he's about team. You, you just can't. And they're five and two because they're a good team. They care about one another. And I just think, man, look, they made phone calls, so there's interest, and they think that hey, our environment can handle it. So that answers that. But it's got to be the right price. And that's why they didn't pull the trigger. They weren't desperate, and I'm completely okay with it. I'm glad Sean Payton showed restraint. I'm, I'm glad the team said, hey, look, this is our limit, and if it's, it can make sense, great. If not, I'm completely fine where I'm at, you know, and um, I'm, I'm okay with what they did. He, uh, let's, let's close with this. Um, I, I'll make a point on your Russell Wilson thing, and then we'll make some predictions for Sunday. If you're the Saints and you are able to get into the postseason this year with what you're working with on offense, if you don't think that's appealing to someone like Russell Wilson who started to plant the seeds last year of wanting out to say they got to the playoffs with that, like what if if I had been their quarterback? You kidding? Like really? Oh, and yeah, here Pete Carroll, very old school, wants to run it, run it, run it. Sean Payton's just going to dictate his game plan based on what he is working with. So if I go there, I know I have a head coach that's also a play caller and will build an offense around what I do well. Um, it, 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 you, you're, I, I don't think this is a Super Bowl team, Gus, but man, they got heart. Um, I don't know what happened Sunday, but it's the Falcons, so I picked the Saints to win. A six and a half point favorite, even though Atlanta's not good. That's a that's a big line considering the Saints are, you know, again what they're working with offensively. Uh, but I'm taking the Saints in this one. You know, I think 26, 20, something like that. Uh, I have not been to a game in a while. Um, last season, I wasn't in any of those very small crowds, uh, and it is my son's first ever Saints game. And he hates the Falcons, and he loves the Saints, so I have to be there, not in the press box, but with him. I'll be there Sunday, and um, I think the Saints are beating Atlanta, one, because Atlanta's bad, and two, because Sean Payton has shown the ability to just, when he has time to game plan, 
he can get something done. I mean, Taysom Hill beat Atlanta twice last year, and that team last year had more playmakers on offense. I'm talking about the Falcons. Yeah, they had more playmakers on offense too for the Saints, but uh, I, I think I think the Saints win on Sunday. Gus, what's your prediction? Yeah, look, not having Calvin Ridley is is hard on them. They're having trouble protecting Matt Ryan. Their defense isn't exactly great. I watched a good chunk of that Panthers-Falcons game, and it was like watching paint dry. It was not good football. And and I told it to you when you came on our show on Wednesday. Two of the next three, on the field, off the bus, the Saints are better teams. They're better than Philadelphia, and they're better than Atlanta. Tennessee doesn't have Derrick Henry. I, Tennessee's still a good team. They're scrappy. They find a way to win. They're very well coached. You can get two of the next three. You're at seven, Scott. you got a quarter of games that has Buffalo, Dallas, Jets are sandwiched, and then you're at Tampa. You go two and two in that stretch, I'm ecstatic. I think maybe you could split Buffalo and Dallas. Maybe they're both at home. I think it'd be fun. But my point is, man, if you can get the seven wins before that quarter of games, it gets to what you're saying. It's Panthers, it's the Dolphins, it's the Falcons. I, I, I think you're in the playoffs, you know? So I think this game is vital Sunday. And yeah. with that, I think you're going to get a pumped-up team. And I think the crowd finally showed up last week and – you know, obviously Tampa. It's easy to get, get, you know, get up for that game and who you're playing and who you're playing against and all of that. But um, I, I just, I, I would be kind of surprised if the Saints don't win that game because I think they can win it. I think they're the better team, and I think they're just in a better spot right now. But again, you, you got to go out here and do it. Um, let's see what happens um, afterwards, and you know, hopefully next Friday, sir, we're talking about them going to Tennessee. Uh, what is it, a three-game win streak? That is Gus Cagle, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. What did we learn? Uh, New Orleans is not happy with Zion Williamson currently. Billy Napier is a household brand. We both think the Saints had a big loss when they lost Jameis Winston and yet are still going to make the playoffs. And OBJ is expected to the – Brown, the Browns plan to release him today, but we don't expect him to end up on the Saints, although many others do. Uh, we disagreed on a few things in there elsewhere, but for anyone that missed the whole convo I've had with Gus here on the pro Nola segment this hour, and also talking Cajun football, go back, listen to the podcast, great Scott show podcast, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, you can hear the whole convo. Gus is always kind enough to join me each and every Friday here for the pro Nola segment. Listen to him ESPN 100.3 in new Orleans weekdays, noon to three for the sports hangover all the best, my friend. I will uh, talk to you next week. And, uh, yeah, man, hug your family for me, brother. Always appreciate the time. Yeah, for sure, man. And I know um, you have a special podcast you're going to put out there, too, where we spoke 56 minutes on the return of Mark Ingram. That's right. No, it, it's, that, that's a, no, that's a, that's a five-part series. Um, yeah, that, that's on the paywall. you got to pay for that. Right, right. <laughs> Patreons get the intense... Hey man, hey, it's good. It's good. It, look, it's look, good man. for Ingram to be back, man. I brings a bunch of energy, and um, it's what we talked about last week, right? We said he could run the screens, he could pick up some protection. It was a big play on on that game winning drive. Yep. 
where he picked up a blitzer and gave Trevor time to throw the football. That It's literally what we said last week. That's a plug-and-play guy that can help you um, win a game. And and he did. And, you know, man, like you said at the beginning of the year, though, and, and as the season's gone on, this is fun. This is fun. And, and I kind of like the, the not having the expectation level to an extent at a certain level, right? Because you don't know what you're going to get. And, and every week you're like, okay, great. This guy went down. on <laughs> I mean, it's, it's nuts. And that's why it's appealing. If I'm Russell Wilson and Rogers, man, I'm not playing in the cold. I'm indoors. I got a coach that gets it. He's absolutely look pro forward to the athletic this week. You know, did like mid-season grades or whatever, and they have Sean Payton as the coach of the year. Well, so yeah, in, in the mean, coaches, yeah. When you're one of those elite quarterbacks that's looking for a team, I, I mean, again, Tom Brady was considering. It. Yeah, so, that's where he wanted to go. Just, if Breeze had retired, that was his first choice, but uh, Breeze came so, back. But look, I, I, I do want to say this. In the meantime, everybody, still enjoy this season. I mean, it's still oh, yeah. the fact that they're 5 and 10 is uh, is fun as hell right now, man. Uh, Gus, always appreciate it, brother. Let's talk again soon, all right? Sounds good, buddy. All right. Don't go anywhere. Great Scott Show continues right after this. The uh, We'll dig into the latter part of the 8 o'clock hour. Open phone lines, audio from Coach Billy Napier from last night's win. couple of highlights talking Cajun football, Saints football. And the main reason, LSU-Alabama has zero buzz this year. And it's not for the reason you're thinking. I'll explain why there is no buzz around it, aside from the fact that Bama's a big favorite. That's coming your way next right here on The Great Scott Show. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticketed sports. In the glazing, I'm going to keep you know what